May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. His name was Pepe Rodriguez, and he was perhaps the most notorious bank robber in South Texas in the time when the Lone Star State had first joined the Union. Pepe was a Mexican, and his band of uh, thieves would cross the Rio Grande late at night under the cover of darkness, steal into some small towns along the border, break into the banks of these, these small towns, and using dynamite, blow the, the lid off of the vault, clear out the vault out of all the money, and then, sure enough, back across the border into Mexico where they thought they were safe. They were so famous that they gained the attention of the, of the Texas Rangers, who came down to these border towns and tried to anticipate where Pepe would show up next and, and capture him in the act, but they just could never seem to get a handle on where he would be next. But one day, the rangers got word that Pepe was holed up in a small bar on the other side of the, the river, and there were almost no police in this town. And so the rangers decided to launch their own raid. They went across the border into Mexico and went after this, this bandit. Sure enough, they found him sitting at the bar, drink in hand, and they surrounded the, the tavern and got a hold of everybody and cleared all the weapons out. The head ranger went up to, the, to Pepe and he said, Listen here, buddy. I'm going to tell you, this is a story. We want to know where all the money's hidden. If you don't tell us, we're not going to arrest you. We're going to shoot you right here on sight. But Pepe stood there silent. He didn't say a word. None of his men said a word. And, and the ranger said it again. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm not kidding you. I want to know where the loot is hidden. If you don't tell us, we're going to shoot you right now. Still, utter silence. He started to say it a third time as he pulled out his revolver, cocked back the handle and stuck it to his head when the bartender spoke up and said, Ah, Pepe, he don't speak English. <laughs> Perhaps you should say this in Spanish. So the ranger looked around and says, Does anybody speak Spanish? And sure enough, none of them did. So the ranger says to the bartender, would you translate for us? I'd be, be glad to, the, the, the bartender says. And so, again, he repeated his demand. Tell us where you've hidden the loot, or we're going to shoot you right here on sight. Bartender turns to Pepe, he translates it to him, and now you can see Pepe was terrified. His eyes got real big, he went white as a ghost, and, and as he began to blurt out in Spanish and tell the bartender exactly where he had hidden the money. Go to the center of town, there you'll find a well. Go down five bricks from the handle, Pull it out. There's a big cavity behind there. I haven't spent any of the money that's all still in there. The bartender turned to the head ranger. He said, ah, Pepe, he's a very brave man. He said, you're all a bunch of pigs. He'd rather die than tell you where he's hidden the money. <laughs> Be careful who you trust, right? That's a lesson we've all learned. We live in a dog-eat-dog -dog world. We, we live in a world where promises are made but not, not often kept, where a person's word really isn't as valuable as what it perhaps used to be. I remember this um, country music song. I don't listen to country music very often at all. I'm much more of a rocker. But anyway, I was listening to this country music song uh, uh, about 20 years ago. It was from this uh, Kentucky duo, mother and daughter duo uh, called the Judds. Maybe you've heard of them. Ashley became a, uh, a famous actress, so the other sister. But the, the, the older sister and the mother were, were this singing duo. And, and they sang this song called Grandpa. You ever heard this song, you know? Uh, and it's this, it's this young girl asking her grandpa to tell her about days gone by. You know, tell us about the, about the good old days, she says. 
you know, about the times when families bowed their heads in prayer, about a time when promises were something that people kept, not just something that people made. You know, this, tell us about the good old days when there were things that uh, were trustworthy and good and honest about our, about our nation and about, about the, the culture in which we lived, about the way that people conducted their lives. I think this song really struck a chord with people because it's something that's missing. It's something that we want, we know is good, it's something that we long for, but it's absent in our world. We want someone that we can trust. We want people that are trustworthy. People who don't just give their word, but mean it. If you've ever read through the Psalter, read through the Psalms in the Bible, you know that there are some great Psalms, some fabulous lyrics about about God's goodness. And it's all in poetry, too. It's in this great Hebraic poetry where, where the psalmist just recounts these wonderful deeds. and It's soothing oftentimes and delightful. Uh, many times where I've been um, in a person's home where they're at the last moments of their life, what they want me to do is read to them the psalms. So I go to the Psalter and, and there are great words of comfort there. But if you've ever read through the psalms, you also know that that's not all that you find there. You find lyrics like this, Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, in the 120th Psalm. Or in the 64th Psalm, Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from the dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the throng of evildoers who wet their tongues like swords, who aim bitter words at me like arrows. Or in the 57th Psalm, My soul is in the midst of lions. I lay down amid fiery beasts, the children of men, whose teeth are, uh, are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. About half of the Psalms, 67 of them, are Psalms that are complaints to God. They're complaints. They're railing against, Hello, God, do you not know what it's like to live down here? There are people around here who are just vicious. They're no good. They're, they're dastardly. They do all kinds of bad things. I haven't used the word dastardly in a long time. They're, they're all kinds of people who are doing all kinds of mean things. But this isn't the 23rd Psalm, is it? The 23rd Psalm that we read in just a few moments ago, perhaps you remember it from the King James Version, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. This is, this is the way you heard this and perhaps memorized it. Now, this Psalm is really, it's really a comforting Psalm, isn't it? The Psalmist isn't lamenting the cruelty of people. He's rather praising God for His goodness. And he uses two metaphors. What's God like? What's it like to live a life where you follow the Lord? Well, metaphorically, I can give you two examples, the psalmist says. The first one is that of a shepherd, one who cares for sheep. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been ranchers or shepherds or uh, kept after livestock. I haven't. The only, the only animal I ever uh, oversee, at least besides my children, is our dog Lucy. And, uh, you know, th- that's about it. Uh, I don't know much about sheep. But you got that children bit, didn't you? But, but what I do know about shepherds and what I've read is that sheep are, are um, well, they have some peculiarities. Particularly, sheep are not very smart. That, that's putting it mildly, isn't it? Sheep are really stupid. Um, they, they put their heads down and eat what's in front of their face and they just wander along. Uh, they, they, they pay no attention to the world around them. They're very vulnerable. Sheep are not good fighters. 
The only, the only injuries that sheep ever incur usually are on other sheep. They bite one another, but they couldn't fight off any animal that, that seemed to attack them. Sheep need a shepherd. They need someone to look after them. They're horrible swimmers. If, if a sheep falls into a, a lake, it'll drown. Into a river, it, 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 can't, it, it can't survive. They, they, they can't do anything without someone looking after them. They get lost. Sheep have their head down, they're eating, and they just wander off. And the reason why um, Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray. St. Paul picks it up in the New Testament as well, doesn't he? Sheep just wander. They even say, I don't know this to be true, but I assume that those who who care for sheep uh, wouldn't make this up, that sheep will literally walk themselves off of a cliff grazing because they don't pay attention to what's, what's around them. You know what sheep need most? They need someone they can trust to look after them. The psalmist says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's comparing the Lord to a shepherd, and he's also comparing himself to a sheep, right? That sometimes he doesn't always think ahead. He he, he wanders around, doesn't always do what's best for him. He's vulnerable. And God provides what he needs. Water. Green pastures. But it's more than just the basic necessities of life, isn't it? God is not just one who is a provider. God is good. He leaves me beside green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. Because if a sheep was to get near a rushing torrent, they would fall in and and drown. And yet, there are times when following the Lord, the shepherd, or the, the, the psalmist says, can be foolhardy. Sometimes when you follow the shepherd, he leads you in a place where you didn't think you'd want to go. He calls it the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes following the shepherd means you go through these dark valleys where there are wolves sitting up on the perches, where there are shadows that seem to overcome. There are harsh winds. And you think to yourself, maybe even the sheep say to the shepherd in a, in a sheep voice, is this such a good way to go? Perhaps another direction would have been better. I don't think this is the right way. Until they come through it and on the other side. They realized that the shepherd led them through the valley, not into the valley. The Lord is my shepherd, the psalmist says, means that you can trust him. He's trustworthy. He looks after our lives, protects it from all the vulnerabilities that we face. He leads me in the right paths. Now here's a place where the, the, the old KJV perhaps is a, is a little bit... Um, Well, uh, lacks a clarity in the translation. Let's say it that way. He leads me in paths of righteousness. I I like the the translation that we use today. Um, He he leads me in paths, excuse me, in the right paths. The right paths of life. He leads me in the right paths of life. And not just in, in moral and ethical goodness. Yeah, surely that. But he also leads me in the best way to go. God is trustworthy, the psalmist says, And you can follow him. But then he switches metaphors. You know you're not supposed to do that, right? Perhaps nobody ever told the the psalmist. Because he switches and he goes to a different metaphor. The second one is the metaphor of a gracious host. In the ancient Near East, um, people often lived nomadic lives. They They would just travel around and go from place to place. And it was important that you stayed with your family. You stayed with your tribe. Because when your tribe moved along, if you got left behind, if you were out wandering about the, the countryside and came back to the, to the place where the camp was and nobody was there, you were in serious trouble. Your life could fall into the hands of thieves and robbers, but also you could be wandering through a desert where there's no food 
or water, and you could die. This is the image that the psalmist switches to in the second half of the psalm. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He welcomes me in in the presence of danger. This is, a, this is imagine yourself, you're out in the desert. Can you imagine yourself in the desert? Okay, you're out in the desert and you're wandering along and you're, you're dying of thirst, you're parched, you're, you're longing for some sort of relief and all of a sudden you come along this little community of tents. They're not the community of tents that you left that you were looking for. It's another tribe. And you're not sure how they're going to welcome you. And, and, and so you approach because you're desperate. And you walk up and, and the tribal chief comes out. And he brings you water. And he takes you to a place where you can clean up and put into clean clothes. And then after you're cleaned up, he, he comes and gets you and he takes you to a, another tent. And there in that tent is this, this great big table filled with all kinds of food. And he sits you down and he places a cup of wine in your hand and fills it to the top. This is the image. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over. Following the Lord brings about a sense of security. He not only leads us in the right path, he not only leads us and takes care of us, but he even welcomes us. This is what it's like to be found by the Lord. There's a story of a, a university professor. He was a logic professor and gave these really difficult exams. And everybody knew it. They worked really hard. Oh, no, here comes the tough exam. And so they all studied for him. And, and typically what the professor would do is on the last day before the exam, he would say to the students, listen, now here's what you can do. You can have a sheet of paper. Take one sheet of paper. And on an eight and a half by 11 sheet of notebook paper, you can write as many notes as you can fit on that one piece of paper and bring it to the exam on the exam day. You can put as much information on this one sheet of paper as you can to help you in the exam. And so you know what the students did, don't you? They went back and they wrote really tiny little notes. They tried to copy an entire book onto a piece of paper. And they came back in sweating profusely, all anxious and nervous. And the story goes that this one student walked in and he sat down and he didn't have anything in his hand. And so he, uh, he opens up his, his book bag and pulls out a sheet of paper. And just then a friend of his walks in the door, not a student in the class. And he takes the sheet of paper and he lays it right on the floor. And his friend walks over and stands right on top of the piece of paper. It happens that his friend is an advanced logic student. And uh, all the information he could fit on one sheet of paper was right there. <laughs> and he stood there and gave him all the answers to the test all the way through. I think a lot of us try to pick our way through life, trusting in ourselves, in our ability to gather all the information and do all the things that we want to do. Because we can only trust ourselves. We're going to pull it all together, and this is the way we're going to approach life, trusting only in ourselves. The psalmist says there's a better way. Amen.